Let's do the whole episode with our voices like this. Everyone loves like we... Aaron's deep voice. Maybe this will get us more listeners. <laughs> Let's be sultry. Like, I feel... Do I entice you? Sarah, Are you you're lost, either doing, baby girl? Like, you're either doing, like, some weird voice or you're singing a song. That's the intro to every episode. It's just, like, <laughs> you. I mean, I'm not Bring mad back about it. ASMR Sarah. <laughs> Please. I feel like this is the... ASMR Sarah? Yes. Because my poor ears can't listen to that other Sarah. <laughs> you don't like this, do you? <laughs> Not for a whole episode, no. I'm sorry. I don't think I could do it for a whole episode. I think my, yeah, I think my voice would be like, and just give out. Or mm-hmm. what if it got stuck? Like, that's what my voice ends up being for the rest of my life. Like, you smoked six packs a day for the, like, oh, that would be, that'd be bad. Welcome home, Glavin, I made dinner. <laughs> <laughs> How sinister does that sound? Like, don't check for cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Is he there right now? No, he he's work? not here. He's at work. He'll be, he'll be oh on my mate. gosh. Can you please, like, if we probably won't still be recording, but if he walks in, could you be like, if I sounded like this, would you still marry me? He, he hates that game. I used to play it all the time. Oh, he gets so mad. He's like, you know what? Oh, you know on. what? You want That's real so answers? Fun. I'm like, I want like a pinch of real answer, but also yeah. a little sprinkling of kindness. It's fun. It's supposed to be lighthearted. That's a yeah, game. Like, like if I didn't have eyebrows, would you still love me? Yes. Like if I lost yes. one of my front teeth, would you still love me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fun game. Yes. My answer is yes yeah. to both. Yes, yes, yes. You've heard the um, Daniel Tosh stand up about that, right? Girl, I have not. I think so. Yeah. Basically, his girlfriend's like, when do you love me if I oh, lost yeah. an arm? And he's like. Bitch, if you broke a toenail, you're out of here. You're going to find out real quick. I'm shallow. Like, I found a guy on the side of the highway you'd be perfect for. <laughs> He's such and a tool. watching that tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. His old stand-ups, a little, little rough around the edges, but they are funny. They are so funny. It's that's, so good. Yes. Uh, shit that wouldn't pass today, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, he still makes jokes like that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Even one of his jokes is like, I'm always curious which one's going to finally tank my career, but you're still paying $100 a ticket, so we're not there yet. Like, Ooh, yep. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> oh, yeah, his whole, yeah, he's funny. Oh. Anyway. Well, uh, welcome to Sinister Sunrise. I'm Morgan. I'm Sarah. Oh my god. I'm Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're bringing you another weekly episode here. Um, but first, we gotta talk about Halloween really quick, because it came and mm-hmm. went, and I'm very upset, and I hope that Sarah's whole life was made when Zach dressed up as Joe Dirt for Halloween. I had to corner him. So one of our mutual friends, Zach, not my brother, Zach. There's a lot of Zachs in our lives, actually. Mm-hmm. He dressed mm-hmm. as Joe Dierte and only called himself Dierte. So I got to tell him to quit turching it up, son, all evening. <laughs> he wore the Joe Dirt wig. He shaved his face all white trashy, just mm-hmm. like Joe. And he bought his own mop. So at the end of the night, I cornered him and I was like, hey, can I have a picture of like just you i don't want to be in it but can i just get one of you mopping the floor 
<laughs> you bet your ass he was like, sure thing, baby. Like, he was ready. Yeah, he was like, is this a good angle for you? And I was like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. He was practicing the uh, movie poster pick. So he was ready. He was ready. Oh, good. He <laughs> delivered the costume. I was so pleased. Mm. Honestly, mm. I think my life was made when you walked in as Hulk Hogan and no oh, one knew my. who you were at first. <gasps> yeah, you were like, who the hell is coming in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like recognize Sarah. I thought you meant yes. like no one knew what her costume was. And I was like, wow. No, no, cares? no. Because I did. <laughs> okay. Like we didn't know yes. who was dressed up as Hulk Hogan. No. Oh, yes. I'm I quite like, the chameleon. What? Was like, huh? <laughs> Say what? I should have taken a, a video. Like all of her TikTok, there's those um, videos where it's like, in girl world, Halloween is where you can dress up like a total <laughs> slut and get away with it. And then you have me like, yeah, brother, yeah. <laughs> Sticking on your uh, mutton chop mustache there and jump, bop, bop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you could have just shown a good me time. and Aaron in, in our skirts and dresses. <laughs> um, balance is the word we were looking for. Balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all bring something very different to the table. In case you can't tell, go check out our Instagram and just you'll you'll love the pic. <laughs> Mine happens to be a mustache every day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a look. It's a look. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, sadly, I guess technically spooky season's over. Whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm upset, but. Now it's the season of giving and thanks and being thankful. So and mashed potatoes. Thank- Ooh, girl, I was gonna say I'm thankful for you, ladies, and potato casserole. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> Same mm. rain. <laughs> yes, I love a good potato. Mm. Mm. I made a full Thanksgiving dinner last week. By the way, oh. I invited Brooke over. She um, lives by me now, just so I could have an excuse to make a f- make a full green bean casserole as well. Oh yes. Yeah, we had turkey, mashed potatoes from scratch, green bean casserole. I made some gravy. Ooh, ooh, and some corn. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. Mama, you are speaking mm-hmm. my love language, baby. Mm. It was a mm. good dinner. That's awesome, dude. Ooh. Yes. I have been it doesn't uh, take living a- off. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was going to say it doesn't take away from-, from spooky season being over, but nah. I mean, no, it's, a good, it's a good segue. I mean, you had like that, still a little bit of spooky and then mm-hmm. now you get real Thanksgiving. So I've been living off of uh, Ritz crackers and a cheese ball that someone brought to the party. Our listener, Caroline, actually stopped by my party and brought an amazing skeleton-shaped cheese ball. And that's what I had was for cool. dinner last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. As you should. That was really cool. It was so good. <laughs> but with that, I'm going to send you ladies a link okay. um, to a quiz. I kinda, Sarah, I liked, I liked your vibe. With the, with the quiz of the um, geography. This is not geography. Thank um, God. It has to do with <laughs> Make my, it throw it out the window. <laughs> it kind of has, well, like the quiz and the link. You know, I'm always like trying. Okay. Yeah, I've, okay. I struggled a little bit. So <laughs> I'm going to send it to our group text if I can find it. Okay. And it ha- kind of has to do with my topic today, but overall, oh my gosh, where's our, okay. It is a quiz about animals and is for children. Ooh. So hopefully we all do pretty well. Um, oh my goodness. I think there's only 10 questions. So <gasps> go ahead and when you're ready, begin. All right. Okay. National Geographic for children. <laughs> it's called mm-hmm. well, kids.nationalgeographic. <laughs> if we, we could probably link it into our Instagram if you want. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and it tells you as you go. Um, is that oh, the quiz? Sound. That was my sound on. Sorry. No, I like it. <laughs> I had no idea. <gasps> okay. I don't know. Mm. Oh, fuck. Um, maybe we shouldn't have <laughs> said it's... <laughs> that it's for kids? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, what? Ew. Oh, I am ashamed of myself. Oh, shit, guys. Animal, animals are my thing, and I'm just... What? Dang it. Oh, there's only eight, not ten. My bad. Um, is everyone <laughs> finished? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was tough. Okay. Yeah, that actually was. Um, there were some trick questions <laughs> in there. Um, I'm a- <laughs> Oh Lord. Um, so obviously who has the lowest score will go first. Last. <laughs> oh yeah. no, 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 no. That's not the way we were trying to play. <sighs> I thought it was Dang golf it. scores. <laughs> uh A hey, Ron, what'd you get? I got three. Sarah. Also looking at a three. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I got a four. Oh, there you go. She did it. So Solid fifty percent. Always yeah. good. Oh <laughs> yeah. And it said it said four out of eight. I was like, I was like, oh that's good. And then it said fifty percent. I was like, mm, not so good. <laughs> Those percentages, man. man, they get you. Oh. Oh wait. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't say who was going what. Oh, you guys need to do a tiebreaker. Um, okay. All right. Wait. Um. I can put my. I can put a number on my hand, and whoever. <laughs> I'll just hold it up. Yeah. Just think of a number. <laughs> All right, uh, one through ten. Whoever's closer, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, okay. Three, eight. It was seven. Hey, okay. I'm last today. I shall close up the show. <laughs> okay. Honestly, okay. though, I think so. Our friend, whose also name is Morgan. Somebody came up with like an animal quiz at her baby shower, and that was the toughest <gasps> yeah. thing. Yeah, I think I only got like two, and that was it, it just was by pure tough. luck. <laughs> well, I gotta be honest. So, out of everything I watch on Facebook and like any books or anything, I don't really look at animal stuff that much. Yeah, so if you're looking to whip me in something, it's gonna be animal trivia mm-hmm. and geography. <laughs> well. <laughs> Maybe it's a lot. <laughs> See, I don't know. Like, I just know so many just like random facts. But like, when it's actual, how do I word this? Like, the, okay, one of the questions was like, what? Which one is not a type of penguin? I'm like, I don't know all the types of penguins. Like, I knew a couple of them listed there, and then the mm-hmm. one that I thought didn't make any sense was the one that was wasn't a type. Yep, that's it was the one macaroni. I what? <laughs> I literally felt like Tommy Boy. Have you guys seen that movie, Perchance? Okay, your oh, silence I, is enough. I, um, yeah. It's I a know, maybe. It's a '90s movie, I think. It's got Chris Farley in it, and basically, he's taking this oh, college exam. With the jacket with the jacket. Yeah. Oh, in okay, the very yeah, beginning, yeah. he's taking this college exam. It's like a history exam, and it says like blank Hancock. Like, what's his name? And he's like Herbie Hancock, obviously. <laughs> and the whole rest of the movie, that's what he keeps saying. So, yeah, I saw macaroni and I was like, obviously it's macaroni. Like, who's going to name a penguin that? Mm-hmm. Someone. Someone would, as it would seem. Someone did. Someone. Yes. Um, so, the I guess it makes sense that I go first. Um, the yeah. game was obviously animal trivia. And so today I'm bringing you animal ghost stories. Ooh. So, 
Um, I think in pre, I think in like our first episode ever, I th- I'm like 80% sure that I talked about like my experience with my pet cat who came and visited me after he yes. passed away. Yeah. Bilbo. Mm-hmm. OG. Mm, love him. Yeah. Um, and I think I also may have mentioned the first time I ever saw a like something paranormal. It was an animal and it was at my cousin's house, who was, which is super, super haunted. So I went and visited my grandma, Mary. She is the best. Uh, I went and visited <laughs> her last week. And she, we were kind of like talking about, she was like, how, how do I listen to your podcast again? And I was like, well, first she said watch. Aww. And I was like, oh, grandma, no, no. We, we, we fixed it right up. She has an Android though. So I was like, I don't know what I am doing on this phone. Y'all, y'all Android <laughs> people are a different breed. I'm just saying like, no hate. I just don't know how to work your phones. Anyways. So, <laughs> so I set her up on Spotify. She's like, do I have to pay for this? I was like, no, 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 no. It's free. It's free. It's free. So we're all good. Thank you. Yeah. If you see up, a payment, you need to. You need to call Morgan because you have pushed yeah. too many buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I like I was like, here's where you type. You type in Sinister Sunrise. You just that's it. Don't click on a subscription. Okay, okay. So I think we're set. Mm-hmm. But okay. anywho, so I was talking about the podcast a little bit. And uh I brought up my cousin's house that was haunted. And like, I don't know, my grandma is is very religious and obviously like an elder figure in my life. So I take everything she says as like she's just the great like I believe anything she tells me mm-hmm. um so she was like oh yeah your cousin's house was super haunted like she's oh. like the house they live in now is super haunted and I was like all right so at some point I have decided to we need to do an episode or like I will do a topic on like just Kimswick Missouri because that's where they lived and it is like super haunted they wow. live in like an old school ground there's like still an old school bell there like yeah so but Anyways, I was telling her about my experience with Bilbo and she was brought up. She was like, oh, well, you know, uh, she has um, 11 brothers and sisters. And she was like, well, you know, one of my sisters. (laughs) Oops, slid that in there. (laughs) Well, that's what he did, really. But whoa. (laughs) I am so sorry. That is not appropriate for a grandmother. I am so, so sorry. (laughs) Please forgive me. It's fine. I'm fine. And taking no, off no my twins. headphones and my skin. I am so sorry. Go die in a hole now? No, no, no. No. Yeah. She she would have laughed. Anyways, okay, so she's like, well, one of my sisters had an experience with a pet. And I was like, oh, so that's what sparked this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to tell you the experience that my aunt had. And then I have not shared my experience at the LEMP with the spirit animal that I found there. So I'm going to share those two. And then I found a couple online just on a website that I'd like to read because I thought they were interesting. So here we go. And I'll put the link in the show notes. I don't remember what it was called. So I think it's like Mercury. I don't know. I'll, we'll we'll get there. So my (laughs) aunt, so it's technically my great aunt. She had like a husky kind of looking dog. It was like black and white, had it for a very long time. And she kind of lived in like a back country road and she was driving home. It was probably like dinner time and normal, like she wasn't like speeding or anything. And a white dog like pops out onto the street. And so she's like, oh shit. And she slams on her brakes and she looks at the dog and she's like, holy shit, that looks like my dog. And the dog came over to the door. She opened the door, pet it, and it disappeared. (gasps) <gasps> oh no and she got home and her dog had passed away 
Oh, no. Yes. So I think the dog was just like saying like a final goodbye. Like that was, that's their mama. Like it's so sad but at the same time. Like it's like heartwarming and sad. Like my heart is like, like it doesn't know what to do. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I probably should have given, should have given a warning. A trigger so one that escalated so fast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, whoa. How, like she just been at work. So like at some point during the day, like somewhat recently, cause like the dog wasn't where she had left it so but yeah i mean he was old so sorry rp little pup but yeah Mm -hmm. so super crazy i hope that i could like have an experience like that because that would just be like seal the deal but hearing about like a family member who i know personally have that experience is just pretty cool so sticking along the path of dogs um all three of us and a couple more of our friends did go to the limp. I know we've mentioned it a couple times. Um, but at one point during the tour, um, they talk about s- someone in the family had a trigger warning. If you want to skip ahead, like, I don't know, 30 seconds. Um, a family member had a dog named like Sheppa, I think, or something like that. And that sounds um, right. this, this gentleman sadly uh, shot Sheppa and then shot himself so that they could be together in the afterlife. Um, mental like health is just, um, you know, that was a long time ago. So I'm glad things have changed, but mental health can make you do some crazy stuff. So very sad, but, but I did get a really like, I don't want to like, I'm trying to make positive out of a super sad thing, but I did have an experience with the dog at the limp. So at one point you go upstairs and there's like two bedrooms and they kind of have just a normal door between them that you can lock, but it's just two separate rooms. So then mm-hmm. when you're, we were in the room, all the lights were out. I know you guys probably remember this. I think I was holding Aaron's hand. And I'm so sorry if I, I think I like made all the blood like <laughs> circulation like stop because I was just squeezing your hand so <laughs> no, hard. No, you were fine. <laughs> um, and so we're standing like, I'm standing like in front of the doorway, but like probably five feet back. Mm-hmm. The woman giving the tour is sitting in a chair by the doorway and she's like, and all the lights are out. And she was like, okay, guys, I'm going to go ahead and call the dog. Let me know if you see anything. And she's calling the dog. And I, like, look over first. And I, like, look diagonal. And I can see these, like, in the bathroom, I see purple and orange, like, squiggly little – it looks like like an electromagnetic field. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. And I asked Erin, like, Erin, do you see that orange light? And she's like – no, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, right there. Do you see? Like, holy shit. And then I'm like, fuck. I tried. I tried so hard. I was like, okay, okay. And then she's like, okay. And then she's like whispering. She's like, Shepa, come. And I was like, oh And then I was like, okay. Like, I'm staring at the doorway. And all of the sudden, an outline of a dog appears. Just manifests out of nowhere. And I'm like, Aaron, Aaron. Aaron and tears are just like pouring down my face because I'm like holy fuck I cannot be the only person seeing this and Aaron's like girl what the fuck are you talking about I was like it's right there do you see it it looks like and I was like and I described it as and this is the way like I think the tour guide said it too sometimes spirits can come through and they a fog or a mist is not the way to describe it if you ever have had like an old tv or any tv and it goes on like a static channel Mm-hmm. It's like that, but like finer grain, like salt and pepper size all over. Interesting. Like it's like, it's like static and I'm bawling 
I see the dog move into the room. Like it is very dark. There's only a slight light coming through the hallway. And I like reach out and touch it. And I don't really feel much. I think there may have been like a slight temperature change or like a like a pressure kind of a weird thing, but like very faint. Okay. And I like pet the dog. So I was like, I don't know what a spirit dog likes. I assume to still be pet. I don't know. And then mm. like I bl- I like blinked a few times and it like looped around and like just kind of walked towards the door and it just like dissipated. I could see the ears and the tail of this dog. What? No one else said anything. So when I told people about this, aka like my mom, and they're like, "Oh, it was just a, tr- it was just a trick of the trick of the eye." Like they just—it was probably like, like a like a laser or something. I'm like, then how come no one else fucking saw it? Like, I wish I could. Like, I hope I'm emphasizing my like passion about this moment in my life enough to you, but like, it was so emotional. Like, I don't even know why I was crying. I didn't want to cry. Mm-hmm. I was more in like sh- I think it was just like shock tears i've never had that before yeah so it was well, became so real yeah before like i've never really i'd seen like a couple things here and there but like it was like the full permission mm-hmm. so that was when i was like holy shit i love ghosts more than i thought i did let's <laughs> go so yeah so those are my two like experiences that I, well, I just learned about my great aunt story, but mm. one I haven't shared. Um, and then I have, let me pull up the website. I was so envious of you. I was like, literally, I think my energy is just too aggressive when I think I'm in anywhere haunted. Because with my whole being, I know I'm literally just making this movement of like, show yourself, show yourself. <laughs> like I've never felt more tense than when I'm just trying to like make it appear before my eyes. Like, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there's like a lot of articles out about like the type of energy you should give off or like you like when you least expect it. It's like they say it's like love, like it'll happen when you least expect it. And I was like, well, this lady told me a dog was going to appear and then I saw the dog. So like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do about that. But yeah. Whew. Okay. Oh, I was right. Okay. The website is mercurynews.com. So um, it's also, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. These are just, I'm reading people's stories. Um, it seems that they're, I didn't really do research on like, I guess they like could write letters into this person named Joan who would. Okay like make these articles because they all say like Mm -hmm. dear joan so um this was published um december 26 2016 so i think it's just three little short stories so it says dear joan your letter from the man whose cat kept insanely watching the corners of the ceiling after his companion cat disappeared made me think of something my morris does frequently he sits in my lap in the evening sort of facing me at times He will stare intently over my shoulder and his eyes widen and he becomes very still. I feel foolish, but every time I look back and ask, what do you see, Morris? Needless to say, he doesn't tell me. He keeps staring into the kitchen until I'm convinced an axe murderer is tiptoeing even closer to my back. It takes me 10 minutes for my heart rate to finally settle back down when Morris takes a turn on my lap and lies down for a nap. What the heck are these cats looking at? Yikes. My dear little hazel cat used to do the same when she lived with me. So I figure it's a common cat trait, but we just don't know why they do it. Uh, My cat does this, but only one of them. And it is the scariest thing. Like, it's like, because, you know, cats, 
like when they have like the zoomies, like their eyes get all dilated and it's just like uh-huh. it's so spooky. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes what happens. Like she'll be like resting mm-hmm. on my shoulder and I can like see her eyes in the corner and I'm like, oh no, oh no. And of course it's like always when I'm home alone or mm-hmm. yeah. So we don't play that game. If she starts to do that, I'm like, Mm-mm, you got to get off my shoulder. No, 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 no. But <laughs> I like to think it's like a guardian angel that they're looking at because they're like looking up. But mm-hmm. you never know, I guess. So yes. And then another story, dear Joan, I was reading your column about sensing or feeling the spirit of a departed pet. I don't have any experience personally, but my husband did. We lost our beloved black cat several years ago, but still remember him fondly as our Einstein cat because he was so intelligent. About a week after he died, my husband called me into the other room. When I got there, he had a strange look on his face and he said that he had just felt something rubbing against his legs and ankles like like the cat used to do. When he looked down, there was nothing there. It may have just been wishful thinking, but I like to think it was a final farewell from our best little buddy. Oh, and I'm so sorry. The first story was by, oh no, I don't know how to say their name. It might be a typo. It's J-O-J-Y Smith, Joy G, or just Joy Smith. I don't know. So sorry. Okay. Can you spell it again? J-O-J-Y. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. know. Mercurynews.com. What's going on? (laughs) And then the um, rubbing on the leg story was uh, Maria Theron. Mm. Okay. Next story. Dear Joan, I wanted to share my ghost story that I encountered when my dog passed away. One time when my husband was in the bathroom, he swore he heard Oscar bark in this very deep, loud bark in the living room only to find it empty. Another time, we both heard his nails clicking on the hardwood entryway, and of course, there was nothing there. When Oscar was alive, he used to come in very early into the master bedroom and sigh so loud just to let me know that he was (laughs) up and hungry. When I heard heard it again, it really frightened me. So I shouted, Oscar, you're scaring mommy. Please wait for me in heaven. After that, we never heard him again. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's by Alice. Thanks, Alice. Wow. Yeah, thanks, Alice. Okay, final story. Dear Joan, suddenly there was a loud pounding on the door of my apartment at 9, 10 p.m. Lock that time in your brain. And I leaped up from three feet away and flung the door thinking it was my boyfriend in a crisis. And at the time, he had lived about 45 minutes away. At the same time, my cat Mandy's hair stood up all over her body. I've never seen her do this before or after this. Her pupils fully dilated. There was no one in sight. How did they disappear in two seconds? There was a cold chill that filled the apartment and that night was not cold at all. Mandy backed into the corner, growling, hair standing still erect. There was a sweet smell of flowers. Mandy crouched, growling for nearly five minutes. At this very moment, I felt the presence of my boyfriend's mother and I feel, and I felt her, I boop, 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 and I sensed her questioning me as to whether I would be loyal and loving to her son. Getting the answer she wanted, saying I would, everything, including Mandy, went back to normal. The next morning, my boyfriend called me deeply upset. His mother had died at nine ten the night before. <gasps> oh, oh no! Dun dun what dun! The heck? So I hope you got a little bit goosebumpies from that. I know it ended yeah. on a good one. 
So whether the dog or the whether the animal is visiting you in spirit form to say goodbye or letting you like helping, I don't know, you be aware that something's going on, like a human's visiting you. Mm. Pets are very sensitive to that stuff. They're part of your everyday life. So I fully believe they're going to try to stick around or you may sense them after they're passing. So oh. that's that's my topic. That's my thoughts and I'm sticking to it. I know it's really sad. I'm, I try to like. Just I'm so conflicted. Because yeah. half of me is like, oh, good. Like they never actually leave. And the other half is like, but they've done so much good. They should get to go to little doggy heaven and get all the treats. I feel, I feel like they get to go to like they they can cross the rainbow bridge, go be with all their doggy friends. They can make trips. It's a bridge. I feel you know. Maybe they sense their humans in in trouble and they'll just say be there for them. I don't. Know. I want a dog. It's weird. <laughs> Hashtag get Sarah dog 2020. We have to, it's, this year sucked. Get me a dog. Yeah. We got it. We, let's get it trending, folks. Come on. Get Sarah a dog. It's and then I'll send it to my landlord. and like, look, it's not me. It's everybody else. I need this dog. <laughs> it is the, it's, it's the social media community. I can't yes. deny them. <laughs> Those are good stories, though. They're spooky. Thank you. Thank you. You're so, welcome. Um, uh, Miss Erin, I think you're up. All right. Today, I will be covering the murder of Annie Lay, and apparently <laughs> 2020 is a strange year because I didn't realize Forensic Files was revived this year, mm-hmm. so there's a Forensic Files 2. Oh! And yeah, they only have a few episodes on like YouTube TV, but the one I wanted to do a story on was on there, so woo, this is the one. <laughs> I watched. So woo. <laughs> we love it. I mean, it. the story isn't woo, but woo back there. <laughs> Are you oh saying boy. it's not fun? No one just goes to dinner and has a drink and comes home and talks about what a great evening it was? No. Oh, okay. no. I was hoping oh, Annie Lay no. was like a chicken. Unfortunately. Okay. All right. Great. You cannot tell me a barbecue chicken does not sound amazing right now. I have not eaten dinner in it. <laughs> oh, girl. Mm. Anyway, continue, Aaron. This is yes. <laughs> not going to be as a... Yeah. Okay, cool. Here we go. <laughs> On the evening of Tuesday, September 8th, 2009 in New Haven, Connecticut, police received a call around 11 p.m. regarding a missing person. Annie Lay, a 24-year-old Yale University graduate student, had not returned to her apartment and her roommate was concerned that something bad had happened to her. Annie was known to be reliable and stuck to her usual routine of working at Yale's research facility, studying and returning home for the night. She didn't go out much, and her roommate always heard from her, like, quite a bit throughout the day, but she hadn't received any messages or calls from Annie for several hours. Annie had always been focused on her academics, and her education was very important to her. She was valedictorian of her graduating high school class, and according to James Barron's reporting for the New York Times, she was voted most likely to be the next Einstein. She filled out over 100 applications for scholarships, and her hard work definitely paid off because she received over $160,000 in scholarship <gasps> offers. Whoa, whoa. I just got goosebumps from that. Go, girl. Oh, my. I know. Oh, wow. Okay. According to Benjamin Smith's Oxygen article, Annie left her tight-knit Vietnamese American family in San Jose, California, for the University of Rochester in upstate New York, where she earned her bachelor's degree in cell development biology. 
During her undergraduate years, she met her then-fiancé, Jonathan Wadowski. Annie was accepted to Yale's graduate program, where she studied pharmacology and researched diabetes and cancer treatments, while Jonathan continued his studies at Columbia University, about an hour and a half away from Yale. Annie and Jonathan were getting married that Sunday, so police thought she might have gotten cold feet. Thankfully, the police didn't just stick with that theory and run with it, like they seem to do in other adult missing person cases. Mm. They actually took this case seriously and interviewed her friends and family. New Haven police learned that Annie had been very much looking forward to the wedding and had been practicing signing her wedding name. So if she did up and leave, which her family and friends said wasn't like her at all, then Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been because of the wedding. Right. Police looked into her credit card and phone records, but neither had been used since she had been reported missing. Investigators actually discovered her purse, which contained her phone, credit cards, and cash, still in her lab office, which is a big red flag suggesting that Annie likely didn't willingly disappear. Right. According to Matthew Chase, a reporter for Newsday, over 100 hours of security footage on 70 or so cameras that covered every entrance and exit to the research facility were examined. Investigators saw Annie enter the building wearing a brown skirt, green blouse, and brown necklace, but there was no footage of her ever leaving the building. (gasps) What? Mm Mm-hmm. And now she haunts the halls and Morgan is doing a story on her next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was pretty surprising to investigators because a fire alarm had gone off around 1255 that afternoon. It Mm -hmm. ended up being a false alarm. However, everyone that had swiped into the building besides Annie had evacuated. What? Investigators, yeah. Ooh, okay. And nobody thought that was like I'm sorry, like at my old job there I mean we were in like a huge building, still am now in my new job. If you don't like check in, like they take that very seriously. Like even I'm if not... it's a test. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly not sure how I think this building was pretty big, so I mm-hmm. don't know if they were really keeping track of everyone who was out of the building, especially if they knew it was a false alarm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like they didn't know about this until they looked at the footage. Investigators moved away from their runaway bride theory and believed they were possibly dealing with a homicide. They theorized that someone could have killed Annie in the building and used the garbage bins to move her body out of it. Investigators searched the dumpsters at the laboratory, and they even went to the dump to look through the trash but there was no sign of Annie. Detectives questioned Jonathan as well, but they quickly ruled him out since he had an alibi. And Jonathan, is that her lover? Fiance, yes. Yes, fiance, thank you. (laughs) The community was shocked by Annie's disappearance and everyone was feeling on edge. Over the next several days, security on campus increased. Over 100 law enforcement officials from the FBI, the state police, and the Yale Police Force joined the New Haven Police Department to help solve the case. Investigators tracked all of the research facility employees' movements by going through months of, like, key card swipe logs, which was very just interesting and cool. The only way to get into the facility and lab rooms was with a key card, and each swipe revealed the name of the employee, along with the date, time, and room they gained access to. Mm. 
Investigators okay. discovered Annie had used her key card to get into her lab, which was room G13, a little after 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning, but her card had not been used after that. Hmm. Four days after Annie's disappearance, Detective Insulaco discovered a brown bead in a storage area located down the hall from Annie's lab. Officers believed the bead belonged to Annie's necklace, which was strange since her keycard activity showed she had never swiped into that room. Mm. Detectives were alerted to the ceiling tiles in the storage room, and after looking inside, they discovered a bloody sock and glove. Is that all they discovered? No. In a nearby laundry bag, a blue pair of sweatpants with dried blood on them were also discovered. When these items were sent off for testing, the blood came back as a match for Annie, and semen had also been found on the sweatpants. No, no. On Sunday, September 13th, on what would have been Annie's wedding day, detectives were notified about a strange smell coming from a basement bathroom in the research building. On the Forensic Files episode, an officer said he walked in and immediately detected the smell of something decomposing. Oh, my God. How do we know someone didn't just have, like, a big lunch and things went awry? Don't blame someone for their stink, okay? They can't always control it. It's it's not that. If only it went that way. Detectives (laughs) discovered Annie's body stuffed upside down behind a metal wall panel in the bathroom. (gasps) Her bra had been pushed up and her underwear was pulled down to her ankles. Semen was discovered on her panty liner and other areas of her body. And this was like the worst, just quote, I found. An unidentified uh, police source told the New York Post, quote, the killer just crushed her in there. She was like mush. She was so smashed up you couldn't recognize her. End quote. Oh, my God. Oh, the state medical examiner determined Annie had been sexually assaulted, had suffered from a broken jaw and collarbone, and had died by strangulation. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Detectives believed that her murder had not been planned, though. No murder weapon had been found at the scene, and Annie was discovered wearing surgical gloves, indicating she had likely been working and was taken by surprise uh, when she was attacked and killed. Dozens of items, one of them being a green pen, or as YouTube TV titled the episode, Green Pen, the which I thought was way too funny while I was drinking wine. <laughs> That's just how it was titled. Comma the. <laughs> Green pen comma the. Were found near Annie's body and were sent off for forensic testing. The area where her body was found was also swabbed, which actually revealed two separate men's DNA. These samples were entered into CODIS. An analyst got a hit that matched a man named Kieran Robinson, who had previously been convicted in 2001 on drug charges. Hmm. However, when the background check on Robinson came in, detectives discovered that he had worked in construction and had helped build the research facility. He also had been shot and killed in a bar before Annie had even gone missing. Oh. Dang. Mm-hmm. Well, it's crazy that, wait, they got that, wait, what was the DNA yeah. they took that was his? They swabbed the area where Annie's body was found. So, like, the surrounding area, too. Oh, so like his hand, like, like touched DNA or something. Yes. Okay. Or something. Okay. Basically, he helped build the building, and whew, you better be careful where you leave your prints, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. 
Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it was that came back as a match to him, but I would think it would it was just like the surrounding area they swabbed. Oh my god. And okay. unfortunately, the other male DNA profile didn't turn up any matches. Of course. Mm-hmm. Why would it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It can't be that easy. No. Investigators searched Annie's lab when a student tipped off a Yale police officer after discovering what appeared to be blood on a box of wipes or towels in the room. According to David Altmari, a reporter for the Hartford Courant, the blood was sent off for testing and it did come back matching Annie's DNA. Her lab apparently hadn't been blocked off during her disappearance, and according to the New York Times, Linda Lorimer, Yale's vice president and secretary, had let people with, quote, essential research responsibilities, end quote, into the building, but those specific individuals had to be accompanied by an officer. Okay. Yes. So during the Forensic Files episode, again, I'm not sure exactly what day they looked at the security footage, so I don't think they knew that... You know, until they looked at that, I don't think they were even thinking she was still in that building. Mm-hmm. So I can see why I guess it wasn't look like blocked off, right? Or looked into as much. Well, yeah, so they thought it, she it like ran away for a minute, so they wouldn't even think they need to do that. That makes sense. Yes, yes. One employee raised a bit of suspicion when investigators were examining Annie's lab. Raymond Clark, a 24-year-old lab technician, had approached an officer who was standing guard near the cart with the blocks of bloodstained blood-stained wipes on it. Clark attempted to make small talk with the officer, and according to Forensic Files, he moved the box of wipes to a different part of the cart, like he was trying to either hide the fact that it had blood on it or trying to take it with him. But that obviously didn't work. (laughs) In what world was that going to work? Like, yep, just look at my eyes, look at my eyes, nothing to see here. I'm not doing anything down with my hands. Look at my eyes, look at my eyes. I know. I saw you peek my hands, look at my hands, look at my eyes, 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 and I'm caught. Like, no, that's never going to work. I know. I was like, what is happening? Clark was a Yale employee who had access to every lab in the facility. His job was to take care of the mice and clean up after them. He was allegedly known to be hard on students who made the labs dirty, therefore making more work for him even though that's his job. (laughs) And anonymous source told ABC News. Cleaning up the lab mice. Yes, yes. What did you think he... He's not like Charlie testing. Day in a bar. <laughs> no, I thought he was like pest control. Well, like, I, like, take, like, like taking care of the mice. I thought like eradicating them from the facility. And then, it, then when it's like cleaning up after them, I was like, how many mice are here? Like, gee. Okay. So, wow. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, wow. All right. No, you're good. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yes. A lot of mice were used at this facility sorry i should have explained a lot of mice were harmed in the filming of this episode i think i was the only person who didn't understand that ever so (laughs) oh boy okay please move on and go (laughs) an anonymous source told abc news that clark emailed annie to complain about an incident where she left dirty mice cages behind one day after working on her research When detectives looked into his past, they discovered that one of his former girlfriends had reported him for domestic violence, which they noted as a red flag since they believed Annie's killer had likely been violent before. When they looked into Clark's keycard swipes on the day of her disappearance, investigators discovered that he had swiped into Annie's lab and had stayed in there for 
about 46 minutes. No one else had swiped into her lab that day, but apparently it wasn't unusual for lab techs to spend that much time, like, cleaning up the rooms and the mice cages. Mm-hmm. So okay. I guess it wasn't a, a, a big thing they were sticking on just yet. In the oh. words of <laughs> JJ from Outer Banks, deny, deny, deny. <laughs> and that is exactly what Clark did when he was brought in for questioning. No oh. one saw an Outer Banks reference coming, did they? <laughs> no. Look at you throwing jokes out. Ew. Ew. God. You can... You can thank Megan because we were she was watching this episode with me and she kept on saying it and I was like, Oh, what's that from? And she was like, Oh my god, I don't know. So it took us way too long to figure out it was from Outer Banks. I was like, Holy moly. So yes. Deny, deny, Clark- deny. Mm-hmm. According to Lisa Dadio, former lieutenant of the New Haven Police Department, Clark was cooperative and told investigators he had no idea what happened to Annie. However, further investigation showed that Clark had swiped into room G-22 um, 11 times on the day of Annie's (gasps) disappearance, which was the same room located just down the hall from Annie's lab where bloody clothes had been discovered. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, no. And I'm guessing that was not normal. No, it definitely was not his normal, you know, swipes Mm -hmm. from, you know, previous weeks and days and months his key card had also been swiped in Annie's lab several times, too. I think I read somewhere it was about five, suggesting he was moving back and forth between the two rooms. The security footage from that day was looked at again, and detectives noticed that Clark had acted strangely. He had left the building when the fire alarm went off and walked across the street where he sat on these stairs, kind of looked like near a little park. In the video, Clark appeared distraught, put his head down on his knees and covered his face with his hands. And according to Detective Insulaco, he apparently almost passed out and fell into the street. I will say I didn't see that happen in the video. Maybe they just didn't show that part and I Mm. couldn't find it on YouTube or anywhere. Um, So if anyone knows where I can find it, let me know. So he did appear to be fidgeting and moving around a bit, but obviously that wasn't like concrete enough evidence to convict him of a crime, at least not that video. So the thing that actually turned the investigation around was the green pen, which had been discovered underneath Annie's body. Clark always used a green pen to sign in and out of lab logbooks. And when they checked the logs on the day of Annie's disappearance, he had signed his name in the afternoon with a black pen instead. Because <laughs> he lost his green pen. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Detectives were confident that Clark was Annie's killer and believed he had mistakenly dropped the pen after placing her body behind the bathroom wall. Clark was brought in again, and a physical checkup showed that he had, like, bruises between his eyes and on his arm, as well as minor cuts on his head and face, which appeared to have been from an altercation. Mm -hmm. So girl fought back, even though her attacker was a foot taller than her and twice her weight. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell girl. Mm -hmm. Investigators theorized Clark had strangled and killed Annie to cover up the fact that he sexually assaulted her. After killing her, they believe he used one of the large rolling tables to transport Annie's body undetected from her lab to the bathroom. She was likely dead before the fire alarm went off, is what they are thinking. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Investigators were able to get a DNA sample from Clark and compared it to the unknown male DNA sample gathered from the crime scene, and both came back to be a match. Wow. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) What do we have here? Some fries. (laughs) Wow. What a fucking idiot. Wow. I'm glad he's dumb, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Clark initially pled not guilty to charges of first-degree murder and sexual assault, but in March 2011, he changed his plea to guilty and was sentenced to a minimum of 44 years in prison for the murder of Annie Lay. During his sentencing, Clark read a statement to the courtroom saying, quote, I take full responsibility for my actions. I alone and I alone am responsible for the death of Annie Lay and causing tremendous pain to all who loved and cared about Annie. I am truly sorry I took Annie away from her friends, her family, and most of all, her fiancé. I'm sorry I lied. I'm sorry I ruined lives. And I'm sorry for taking Annie Lay's life. End quote. Too little too late, dude. Honestly, like, I know, like, they have a right to a statement usually. And I know sometimes they, like, it's just like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, shut up. Like, mm-hmm. you, I, and that just not- made me so mad. Oh. Yeah. And that's also not, I mean, sorry isn't going to cut it, but that's also not what the family wants to hear because, like, they'll never know why he killed her. Yeah. Like, there's just a chance. Like, spill your guts, dude. Not sorry. Mm -hmm. He has been, like, tight-lipped ever since his arrest, and he's never revealed a motive for Annie's murder. How weird. He's got an urge one day. Yeah. Another strange thing was the fact that he was also engaged to be married. So I have such a hard time, like, wrapping my head around a reason for why he would kill Annie and then throw his whole entire life away in the process. Right. That is weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Many people speculate that Annie's murder was a crime of passion. Mm -hmm. ABC News consultant Brad Garrett theorized that Annie and Clark might have had some sort of a relationship, but when it fell apart or ended, Clark had become so obsessed by that point that he ended up killing her. However, Garrett also mentioned a second theory, suggesting no relationship ever existed between the two and that it was all in Clark's head. I mean, neither one is better than the other, and neither one gives him any possible reason to do this besides he's a dick. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Neither of them. Yeah, are good. It's It's horrible. Yeah. Vivian Lay spoke with Randall Beach, a reporter for the New Haven Register, about her daughter, what Annie's life would have become if she hadn't been brutally and senselessly murdered, and the things Annie will no longer get to experience. Quote, I will never see her walking down the aisle. I will never hug Annie again. I only see my Annie in my dreams. End quote. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Oh, my God. Normally, I'm okay. What the? Wow. Okay. Mm hmm. Annie wanted to change the world with her research, and who knows what she could have accomplished and where she would be if she was still alive today. Clark will remain in prison until September 2053, at which time he will be 70 years old upon his release. Mm -hmm. And that is the story of the murder of Annie Lay. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. That's what I've never heard before, though. (laughs) No, I've never heard it. Never. Yeah. Where was that again? Like what state? It was in New Haven, Connecticut. 
Okay. Um, to lighten the mood, here I drew a picture of a mouse holding a green pen. <laughs> green pen, exactly. comma the. It's, it's actually <laughs> coming to save the day. Mouse, mouse, green pen, comma the. Mm-hmm. We're writing a children's book titled. Yeah. You guessed it. <laughs> mouse, green pen, comma the. If you if you mouse. If you mouse give a green pen, comma the like give a mouse a cookie. Uh, okay, yeah, you were gonna bend my brain. Pen. There's no way I'm gonna. F- okay, <laughs> but actually, I want to say thank you, Aaron, because it was a solved one, and they got the right person. So from yes. the bottom yes. of my heart, thank you for that one. I can sleep well this evening. Mine is a little different. <laughs> oh, great, great. Ooh. <laughs> um. So today we are talking about practice babies. Have you ever heard of this before? Like in what? health class? Kind of. <gasps> oh. Wait, but these are real life babies, not oh. dolls. What? That they give to people? All right, cool. We're going to go on this together. So I okay. used <laughs> aacap.org, um, and npr.org, library.org cornell.edu and then stuff you didn't learn in history class podcast titled practice babies i heard this episode a while ago and it's been hanging out in the back of my brain for like months and months and months and i finally decided we got it i gotta explain it so oh it's what it sounds like and remember on the monster study episode i mentioned iowa university had a great relationship with orphanages and i would get back to it Mm. well here i am all right, Getting back I'm jumping to out it. the window. Dying. <laughs> no, not more. Back, no. back. Not the orphans. Oh, no. So, oh, my God. Her person what? was named Annie, and you're talking about orphans. It's a little orphan Annie episode. What a segue. Okay. Sorry. My brain works in mysterious ways. Anyway, please tell us. I didn't even these. put that together. Practice babies. They're literally called practice babies. So, in the early 1900s, there was a big push for, well, one, like, scientific things. Like, we were finally advanced enough to, like, make, um, not studies, but, like, study things. Make sure we're doing things in a way that makes sense. And there's mm-hmm. also a push for home economics courses, which makes sense because America was and it is a melting pot of all different cultures. So these programs help to take a look at how people were raising their kids, what they were cooking, how long food stayed good, things like that. And it actually did help quite a bit. Like now it seems kind of redundant, but they actually set all these things up in the 1900s. So they also would say stuff like how to can certain vegetables or how many hours a wife, a housewife puts in on an average week. Do you guys want to take a stab at how many hours oh, a housewife no. was Wait. working a week? Well, how many hours are in a week? Can you no, sorry. that? What? How many, how hours, many hours are in a week? A lot. I would say they put in like 75 hours. Haunted. Hmm. I don't know if they're looking at a work week, but they said um, in the 1950s, a housewife was working about 48 hours a week. Oh, okay. so we, we overshot it. it, but that is a full yeah, I did, job. yes. Yes. More, but I don't know what all that included. I, it definitely did not include like bath times and stuff. It may have been more of like your house duties and things like that. No, I'm sure it was Monday through Saturday because Sunday was the Lord's Day and it was the day of rest, Sarah. Well, oh. <laughs> how did I ever forget that? <laughs> so anyway, they were just trying to point out like, hey, ladies are working quite a bit at home. 
So also during war times when there was rationing of food or in the Depression when food was scarce, the Department of Home Economics would inform the public on recipes of what was available. So That's nice. Yeah, I thought it was cool because yet again, yeah. we're a melting pot. So not everyone knows how to make 50 different ways to prepare corn and ensure they're all filling. Yeah. So we like have Pinterest and the internet now, but back then they had to have someone like study this, help people mm-hmm. understand like this new environment, what they can do with it. So it's cool. Yeah. Definitely served the purpose. And if you're thinking this all makes sense, but what about the babies? <laughs> the babies. <laughs> I'm getting to it. So <laughs> these college home economics programs were admittedly mostly women. Shocker. They were taught how to cook, clean, and run a household. And they needed real life vocational experience. So they lived <laughs> in something called, yeah, pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> they <laughs> they lived in something called practice houses or practice apartments, depending on what kind of area they were living in. Um, and these were like real life experiences by living on a budget, everything, and taking care of a real child. A doll wow. wouldn't make any sense. So, Well, also back then, dolls were not what they were when I was in high school, which was like robotic and like... Mm-hmm. Serve oh, more not. of a purpose. <laughs> yes. Wow. So usually four college students would live together and they would be in assign they would be assigned an orphaned infant to take care of together. And it kind of sounds like a sitcom, but no, it's very real. So these little tots were called practice babies. And they did have first names, but they would very rarely have last names. And if they did, it would be something like Bobby Domicon which stands for Bobby Domestic Economics, which is also what the field was sometimes called. Oh, that's really sad. Yes, an estimated 40 to 50 colleges and universities all over the great United States participated in this. Woo! Including Iowa Ooh. University. There was some in Illinois. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Mm. Wow. So, yes, basically the children would come to the university as young as possible. Then the students would take turns mothering them. So the rotation of students would vary depending on what school they were at. Um, In the NPR article I read, it stated sometimes one mother, student, student, mother, whatever you want to call them, would have the baby for up to 10 days at a time. But in other schools, it was a lot shorter increments. So one student would put the baby down for a nap. Then she has class. So then another student would come in and be taking care of the baby when it woke up. Whoa. Oh my god, the trauma. I was about to say, how do you think this turned out? Do you care to make any predictions? Not well, I bet. Oh, those (laughs) poor babies. They don't know who their mom is. Okay, so you got to keep in mind, this is the agenda of the school and the Department of Home Economics. So they were sincerely trying to make it scientific in a way like they wanted everything mm-hmm. in the household like it could be learned like there is a best way to do like best practice of how to fold laundry a best practice of what to feed your baby so my first concern and almost everyone's concern when they hear this is any attachment issues so the standard school of thought for kiddos is you want them to attach to one person maybe two but these first attachments are very 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 important Um, Some studies have shown that if a child doesn't have that support system as a baby, they're going to have problems with attachment for the rest of their lives. But to be fair, who doesn't? Am I right, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just watch Sex in the City and you'll understand. We've oh all had my lord. Oh my, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I literally wrote that in and then put Ray's eyebrows so they know it's a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so just to brush you up on your psychology, when a child is suffering with a attachment disorder, you you can expect to see that they have severe is it called colic? 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 Colic. Yes. Colic. Mm-hmm. Or feeding difficulties. They're going to have a failure to gain weight, um, detached or unresponsive behavior, defiant behavior. They may be hesitant in social interactions or they may be way too close with strangers. So the two types we have are RAD, which is not cool as it sounds. It is reactive attachment disorder. And in this one, you're going to see kids, they're not likely to interact with other people or even kids their own age because of negative experiences in their earlier years. So they may also have a hard time calming down. They don't want their caregivers to um, comfort them when they're upset. And they also probably have little to no emotions when they do interact with others. So these are the ones that always, they scare me really bad, but it's not their fault. It's just, that's how they're coping with what's happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other one is DSED, and it stands for Disinhibited Social Engagement Disorder. For all int- intensive purposes, these ones are opposite. So you're going to see they aren't scared at all when meeting someone new. They may actually be overly friendly, meaning they may hug or ask a stranger to pick them up. And the scariest part is when these kids are put in a stranger situation, they may go off at them because they don't even think about checking with their parents. Yeah. Just like, sure, I'll come with you. Like, mm. So neither one is like better than the other. They're both pretty scary. And doesn't mean that something happened to them as a child. It just, if something did happen to your child, you can expect to see one of these. But if you have one of these in your kid, it doesn't mean something happened to them, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Only one is like causational or one direction, I guess. So back to these babies, what we're here for. So the babies would arrive at these houses severely underweight or malnourished or suffering with ailments like rickets. Because you have to think at this time, orphanages were not fantastic. They were not places you wanted your kid to go. And then also, it was the Great Depression during this, like 1900 to 1950 is when this was really common. So some people, like their parents would be alive. They just couldn't afford to keep them. So they had to go to an orphanage. And these orphanages Mm -hmm. were not the best place to be. It's no one's fault. It just, it wasn't great. So by the time they left, though, they were almost always at a good weight or chunkiness. And that's not a medical term, but you know what I mean? Just a nice plump baby. And <laughs> <laughs> I love a cute, chunky baby. And after, oh, yeah, a, yeah. after a certain period of time, which could be weeks to one year, they would re- be returned to their orphanages and adopted. And it's actually noted in several sources that practice babies were highly wanted for adoption because they had just received great care, food, and attention. So they were very easily adopted. Like the rate of a survival of that kid is going to be way higher. And they had the most scientific procedures done and everything. So eventually this practice stopped in the 1960s because schools started opting for the types of sciences we have now and not so much the practical applications. And also around this time, a lot of psychologists and researchers were publishing studies that babies need one primary bond with one person, not one million. Repeat, with one person, not a million. (laughs) And so unfortunately, we don't know the long-term effects of being a practice baby because at this time in America, it was pretty stigmatized to adopt or be pregnant when you aren't married or just pregnant in general. It was a weird time. 
Like, have you ever watched any documentaries on like, um, like clothing for pregnancy? Back in this day, like you were wearing like a balloon because you were not supposed to like accentuate your bump. Oh, yes. Oh, damn. Hmm. Very weird. So it was so stigmatized. And fun fact, they were almost always done. And I missed a word. Okay, so because adoption was so stigmatized, they were almost always done anonymously. And they were closed adoptions, meaning we don't know who is who, where they came from. And even the person who was adopted may not know they were adopted or that they were a practice baby. And there's also just a general, yeah, lack of records from that time. So that's heartwarming, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I gotta love it. Mm -hmm. So there has been a couple Uh people they found that know, and it's mixed reviews. Like some are like, you know, I'm alive today because I was taken care of there. Like I'm sure I received great care. I've seen pictures of me as a baby. I was great. And there's also some who was like, I was literally used as practice for college students. Like, I don't care if I survived. That's kind of messed up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, just like, I had a tough time. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, like I said, there are some people we know that were practice babies, but there is not enough to do a study on. So, to this day, there has been no longitudinal study to see the effects of practice babies. We generally, like, genuinely have no idea. Wow. Gotta love uh. it. I mean, so there are some positives. These babies are getting nurtured. They're physically healthier. And then, like I said, a lot of orphans didn't have access to any of this scientific approaches. So it's nice. And it also helped kids get adopted. But it's a little unnerving that strangers took care of babies and now we don't know what happened. And also, mm-hmm. some of these babies would get like 12 to like 30 quote unquote mothers before they were handed off to their actual adoptive parents. That's like, so, yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, like I'm so torn because, like I said, there are positives to it, and I see what they were trying to do, and I know they Mm -hmm. didn't quite understand the importance of what they were doing, but it's also scary that we don't really know how that affected anything. For all we know, that could be why there's so many serial killers in the 70s, not the lead poisoning idea. (laughs) Who knows? Wow. So, yeah, that was all I had on practice babies. Um. (laughs) Be good to yourself and maybe next time practice on a doll or an egg. Oh, and if you or someone you know in your family was a practice baby, please write in to Sinister Sunrise Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I want to hear about it. Because oh, they were yeah. all over the Midwest, so the chances are someone that we know or someone who their knows parent us. or their grandma or somebody. Mm-hmm. Grandpa. Could be a male. I could be a male baby. Sorry. Yeah, it could be a male baby. So, yeah. Wow. I just thought it was crazy they actually used real babies to practice on. And there I were mean, some lawsuits, but it was it was pretty rare that people were upset with how these babies, babies were being treated. So I didn't include yeah. those because it was not the norm. It's more like a like an ethical okay. like, yes. lawsuit, not like a care. But like, Well, no, there was I'm, one about care. But like I said, that really? was – it was pretty seldom you would see that. Most babies came out yeah. pretty good. So Okay. I think, I think it's crazy because like – Obviously, you brought this topic to the table, like hearing it, and like you were when you said your last mm-hmm. or the other, the, the other speech one. Um, yeah. Sorry, my brain's going a mile a minute. That one, like I saw, no, there was no good sides. This one, I'm like, I no. feel like I still feel kind of icky, but I feel like a little better because at least mm-hmm. like the babies were taken care of. It's mm-hmm. just like, yes, not healthy for the psyche, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> no. So, yeah, I just think it's insane, but it's, it's real. It It happened and no one talks about it. (laughs) 
I know I've never heard of it. How unnerving mm-hmm. to be going to a class and then realizing you are going to have to take care of a real baby. Like, and thank your God grade I depends have, on we it. We have the doll. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even though that mm-hmm. thing was a little shit, but thank God we had it. <laughs> yes. Because I would even have you, like, like I said, make budgets, live in the same house with these four other people. Like you're taking turns figuring out schedules. Wow. So with it's good experience in theory, but you're also like messing with someone's life. Like they could have really done damage and we just don't know. There's no way to know. Mm-hmm. Unless they want to open up some records. But that may not even really do it because like I said, they weren't that great of records to begin with. So you may have like when they came to the orphanage or like, mm-hmm. but it's just, yeah, I just feel like everything's just going to be like jibble, like just completely unable to make good lines let's hope mm-hmm. everyone's using ancestry.com and finding some things out about themselves this is not yeah a how plug, crazy but... would that be but that's how i found mm-hmm. out um that we we found my my grandma had a child who she gave up for adoption mm-hmm. um it was her first baby and we have been reunited with her for over a year now so i have a, oh, that's have awesome. a third aunt on my dad's side nice. so that's how we found her so you never know <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay. So I think that's all we had for you guys today. Thank you for listening to our stories. Mm-hmm. If you have any stories you want us to talk about, have any dreams, if you just want to say something nice, we would accept <laughs> that as well. Hell we'll yeah. take all the compliments. World <laughs> Kindness Day is in November. I'm not pushing it, but that random acts of kindness also apply Ooh. to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so please... Write to us at SinisterSunrisePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on all of the platforms that are slowly sucking our time. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, not Twitter, because I can't quite master that one. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Uh, but yeah, those three are our biggest ones. So just look up Sinister Sunrise Podcast. That's where you can find us. There is still that promo deal going with our very talented friend TP. Um, if you go to meltyface.com and at checkout use the code Sinister Sisters, you do get free shipping on any of his artwork, and I would highly, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, go check it out. So, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for listening to episode 40. 40! Yeah! <laughs> Bye! See you next time. <laughs>